Hello and welcome to Arizona Youth Ministries Podcast. The mission of this show is to engage and support apostolic young people in Arizona and abroad. You can support this podcast by leaving us a review in your favorite podcast app. We'd also ask that you share this episode with your friends. We're so excited you're here with us today. Let's get started. So good to be here. And I feel the Holy Ghost directing me tonight. I I have a word from the Lord. I feel like we'll release someone into a new dimension of their relationship with God. And I I can't wait to tell you what the Lord has told me. I give honor to Brother Sansom. So good to see him again. Their their kindness to us last year, their reception of our ministry. And Brother Allen, who is not here, I honor your men of God. And of course, Brother Connor. Uh, for opening this church up to us. And I, I met Brother Connor last year, and I liked him, but uh, he took me to a Brazilian steakhouse last night, and I just feel a bond of the Spirit between us. Now, there's just this this holy love, holy love that I have for him. I'm so delighted my son David is with me here tonight, and uh, it's just an honor to be with him. I love him so much. Luke chapter 4, and you have one of the greatest youth presidents in the entire United States of America and his wife, Sister Strader. I tell you, these people, and it's not just because they asked me to come and preach. I mean, honestly, uh, they, they are some of the most incredible people, sincerely after the work of God, revival-minded, kingdom-minded, and their hospitality is second to none. I've got a basket in my hotel room that's about as big as this pulpit. And uh, there's just the fridge is full. They bought me Legos to play with that I have acquisition from my son. I'm just so thankful for that. God is so good. Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse number 1. If you've got it, say amen. If you're reading the screen and cheating, say amen. Uh, and Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days, everybody say 40 days, tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said, everybody say the devil talks. Everybody say the devil talks. The devil said unto him, If, if thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I want to talk to you tonight for a few minutes on this topic, breaking through your if. Breaking through your if. Why don't we put our Bibles down and lift our hands and our voices unto the Lord, and let's ask him to do exactly what he wants to do tonight. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the authority of the Word of God, by the power of the name Jesus, we bind every spirit that is contrary to the work of the Lord. I bind every spirit of fear that would distract and distort the Word of God. I pray that a 
clarity and a revelation would come upon the mind of every single person in this room. Open our eyes to the spirit realm that we may walk in knowledge and in understanding, equipped and empowered to do the perfect will of God in our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody say in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands with all of your might and let's shout unto the Lord. Oh, come on, somebody shout praise unto the Lord. Turn to three people before you're seated. Tell them, I love you. Break through your if. You may be seated. If you could turn me up on these monitors, that would be wonderful. If you are going to live for God, God is going to let the devil challenge you. People are getting situated. People are shuffling real good, getting in that perfect spot. So I'm going to say that statement again. If you're going to live for God, God is going to allow the devil to challenge you. And if you decide to do a work for the Lord devil is really going to challenge you. and You are going to have to wrestle with him. And the majority of that wrestling will be done in your mind. In your mind. There may be a few dramatic manifestations that happen here and there where the devil is revealed, the spirit realm is revealed, but mainly the battle is going to happen right between your ears. The devil will try to involve himself in your thinking as much as he can. You see, the devil's greatest weapon is his voice. His greatest defense is his ability to hide himself and make you think that his voice is your voice. All the thoughts in your head are not you. Most are you, but some are God and some are the devil. If the devil sounded like the devil, nobody would fall for it. We had an Easter play at our the church we came out of, Souls Harbor, and in the Easter play, the devil was uh, when he was tempting Jesus, he was dressed in all black, and they had this horrendous monster mask that they put on his head, and blood was coming out of his fangs, and crooked nose, and ears that were pointy, and this white scraggly hair, and and they recorded this this voice with some effects on it. And it was like, <sighs> listen, if the devil came to you like that, you would say, no, I'm not, I'm not listening to you. That's the devil. I don't want to hear anything you have to say, but. He doesn't sound like the devil. He invades your thoughts and mimics your voice in your head so that he can tempt you. The devil is a spiritual propaganda machine. If you study history at all, in World War II, the Japanese had a propaganda 
organized propaganda that they used against the Allied forces. The Germans, the Nazis had organized propaganda that they used against the Allied forces. And I want to tell you that Japanese propaganda was not done in Japanese. German propaganda was not done in German. They knew that if they were going to be effective with what they were saying, they would have to say it in the language of the people they were trying to conquer. The devil sounds like you. And what makes the devil so effective with humans is our inability to see him. Our eyes cannot see him. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 6 and 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles is the Greek word methodia, which means cunning arts, deceit and craft and trickery. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. These spiritual forces can see us, but we cannot see them except by the help of the Spirit and by the Word of God. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2 and 11, lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Satan uses devices. Cunning arts, deceit, craft, trickery, and he tempts us with these things. Why does he tempt us? Because he cannot force you. I'm going to just preach like I'm being backed up by more than five people right now. The devil can't force you to do nothing. Do you all know that, Arizona? Why does the devil have to tempt you? If you have power over somebody, you don't have to beguile them, entice them. You don't have to confuse them. You just force them. But the devil does not have the power to force you to do anything. He's got to trick you into it. Some people blame the devil for everything. The devil kept me from worshiping. The devil kept me from standing up and clapping. The devil put a dead battery in my car. The devil gave me a headache and I couldn't focus on the service. The devil, I, I tried to lift my hands, but my arms weighed 10,000 pounds. I tried to get up to the altar, but, but I couldn't get out of the pew. And the devil this and the, that's a bunch of nonsense. The only thing keeping you from worshiping is that flesh. The only thing keeping you from connecting is that flesh. The only thing keeping you from lifting your voice is your own will. And if you make up in your mind, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to love him I'm gonna lift my voice there is no devil in hell that can stop you so we see Jesus in what appears to be a face-to-face -face battle with the devil but I do not believe he clearly saw then what is made plain to us now through his word. When we read these scriptures of his time in the wilderness, we get to see the battle without the confusion, without the fog of war that Jesus was embroiled in. Jesus was God manifested in the flesh, fully God and fully man. But as a man, he was not given full access 
to all the knowledge of the Father. He had all power from the Father, but not all knowledge. I got one amen and a little giggle. The God in him did not reveal absolutely everything to him. In discussing when the glory of God would be revealed to the world through the Son of Man, Jesus said, Mark 13, 32, But of that day and of that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son. He hasn't told me that information. I'm trusting God about this just like you are. Matthew 27, 46, and about the ninth hour, Jesus is on the cross. He cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lamach sabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, why? If he knew everything, why did he say, why? Why hast thou forsaken me? And so when the devil came to tempt him for 40 days, we see the full picture in hindsight and through the word of God. But Jesus did not get the full picture while he was being tempted. Otherwise, the temptation would not have had its full effect. Satan's cover would have been blown. He would have been exposed for what he was. And Jesus would have said, no, that ain't, that's you. I know who you are problem at all here. Hey, I'm Lucifer, the fallen angel. I've come to see if I can get you to do what I want you to do today. He wasn't exposed. He was in the darkness just like he is with us. And Jesus fought this very real spiritual battle the same way that we have to fight with faith and trust and the Word of God. So on the last day of his fast, I'm just kind of building a case here and then we're going to just expose everything that's going on. So on the last day of his fast, we see this climactic end to the battle between Jesus and Satan. Satan's words reveal the type of battle that Jesus was fighting to win. Jesus was fighting for his identity. If thou be the Son of God, Jesus was presented with this confidence-destroying Mind-shattering, spiritual debilitating if. The devil was doing everything he could to destroy the correct perspective that Jesus had of himself. This battle did not start with this 40-day fast, and it would not end with this 40-day fast. It started when Jesus was a little boy, when he learned that Joseph was not his real daddy. Don't you know the devil did not leave him alone about that revelation? Don't you know the devil told him, you're an imposter? might have called him something else that I'm not going to mention over the microphone. You're illegitimate. You are the son of a fornicator. It must have been known outside of his immediate family that Joseph wasn't his father because when Jesus was debating the Pharisees, he said, you do the deeds of your father. They said unto him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. We know, we know what you're all about. You're an illegitimate son. You're an imposter. But we see that it couldn't shake Jesus in his three years of ministry. For three years of ministry, nothing could shake Jesus. Where do you think that hardness of mind came from? 
Because for 30 years prior to his ministry, he fought hell to hold on to the most improbable revelation in the history of the world. You are the Messiah. It's true that you're not the son of Joseph. You are literally the son of God. You want to talk about having to fight for something. Something that defies all reality. The revelation that you are the Son of God. That's something he had to fight for, folks. That's something he had to struggle for. He probably had to agonize over it. Before he ever started preaching, before he ever made a single public statement, before he ever did a single public miracle, before anyone ever heard his name, he had to break through that if in his life. Who are you? Who are you? What is your identity in God? You think you're something? You think you can do anything? He had to bust through that. He had to fight that. Let me show you something. Neither his mother nor Joseph had the revelation. This is astounding to me. Even after all God had shown them, they still did not understand that he was the son of God. My God, it's quiet. Luke 9, Luke 2, 49 and 50, and he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? Verse 50. And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. Mary saw an angel and was miraculously pregnant, but she still didn't get it. Angels talked with Joseph several times, but he still didn't get it. Jesus had to get it for himself. It wasn't something his mama could give him. It wasn't something his daddy could give him. It wasn't something his pastor could give him. It wasn't something you could get by somebody laying hands on you. He had to get alone with God. He had to get into a prayer meeting. He had to go dig it out for himself. I know who I am not because somebody told me, not because somebody gave me a compliment I know who I am because he told me. So when the devil tempted Jesus, the devil did not hit Jesus with something he was impervious to, folks. He hit him at his weakest point. Jesus had weaknesses? Yes! No sin. No improper response to weakness, but yes, weakness. His weakness was the question of his own identity. What kind of dumb devil would tempt you in an area you don't have a problem with? I promise you I've never, now some of you here may and you've been delivered, thank you Jesus, but I have never been tempted, not one time, not once, to go smoke some crack cocaine. I did not wrestle with that at all today, preparing for this message. I didn't hear his voice say, come on, just go right down the street, man. It's just some crack. I didn't hear it one single time. You know why? He's not a dumb devil. He doesn't tempt you in areas that you are strong. He doesn't tempt you in areas that you have no weakness in. He's never tempted me to go out and get drunk. He's never tempted me to shoot somebody. 
He's never tempted me to mug somebody and take their wallet. Not one single time. Why? He knows I have no access to him in that area. He's tempted me in other areas. How does he do this? He studies you. He studies you from the moment you take your first breath as a baby. And he begins to learn how you think, learn how you talk to yourself. He understands your patterns. He understands your character. He knows when you wake up. He knows how late you stay up. He knows when you get tired. He knows when your mind is tired. And he will find, he will scan you. He's been doing this for almost 6,000 years. He will scan every square inch of your character. And he will find, aha, that's where they struggle. Let me go talk to them about that. And he did the exact same thing to Jesus. Let me find out where he's... Ah, he does not have a human father. And he's wrestling within himself of whether or not he's even a legitimate son. Hey, Jesus, if thou be, if you really are who you think you are, the son of God, why don't you illegitimately use your power to prove yourself? He hit him where he was vulnerable, and he knew where his weaknesses lied. But Jesus understood through the power of the Holy Ghost and through the revelation of the Word of God, that is not me. That is not God. That is another voice trying to get me to sin. Get thee behind me, Satan. Get out of my way. I'm going forward. The Bible says he was tempted for 40 days. But we only get to see the last day of temptation. If thou be the Son of God, if thou be the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. It's another question of identity. Just show everybody what you are. And he broke through that if, through that 40-day fast. But even after the 40-day fast, the Bible says the devil left him for a season. There was going to be another season when the battle heated up again. You see, lifelong issues have a way of resurfacing in dark times. Man, camp is a great time. Everybody gets on the high. We all break through. But man... You go back home to your broken family. You go back home to that school where there's drugs and alcohol and pornography and all kinds of nasty junk. You come here and you're lifted high in the heavens. You go back and you find that dark place in life. And Satan is a master at connecting life issues, life challenges with current dilemmas. You see, when Jesus was dying on the cross, the battle happened all over again. For three years after the 40-day fast, every time Jesus referenced God in Scripture, He said, my Father, my Father, my Father, the works that I do, I do not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, He doeth the works. I go to my Father, I, my Father this, my Father that. He was incessantly talking about His Father. He had got a revelation of whose Son He was, and He proclaimed it everywhere He went, over and over. But when He was dying, broken on the cross, and blood was draining out of His body, Instead of saying, my father, which is intimate and personal and relational, instead of saying, my father, he said, my God, my God. He stepped away from the intimate and the personal, and he became 
just his God like everybody else's God. The intimacy was gone. The personal connection was gone. And I want you to notice he did it in Hebrew and Chaldean. He didn't say it in the common language, Aramaic, that the people he had been preaching to would understand. He said, Eli, Eli, Lamach, that's Hebrew. Sabachthani, that's Chaldean. Nobody except the very educated people would understand. Even the Pharisees said he calls for Elijah. Why did he do that? Because Jesus, in his weakest moment, didn't want all the people he had been ministering to for three years uh, see him questioning God, uh, see him questioning his own father. And so in another language, uh, out of total humiliation, despising the shame. Eli! Eli! My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You better believe Jesus was hit in his most vulnerable spot. Whose son are you? Oh, you think so? Well, if you're really the son of God, what's the point of doing that? The devil knows something about human nature. It is impossible to function beyond your belief in your own self. It is impossible to operate in a dimension that you don't believe is available to you. I'm going to just preach this like y'all are going nuts right now. How many of you have felt from God? Go lay hands on them. Go get your hands on them. Somebody in a wheelchair, you go pray for them. And immediately, you start looking at yourself. Well, who am, who am I? Would, would God even, me? You haven't broken through your if. You don't know who you are yet. I, I learned something a few years ago. Every time I would step into a pulpit, no matter where I was, I would pray hours. I prayed for hours today. And even today, before I step in the pulpit, Satan speaks to me. Are you really ready for this? Have you really prepared enough for this? Are you really qualified to speak this word? And what it did to me at first is when I would step into the pulpit, I would get ready to preach. I've been fasting, praying. I heard I had a word from God. And right as I'm walking from my seat to the pulpit, he said, are you really qualified to do this? And it was like a gut punch. And it would strip me of my authority to release the anointing that God has designed specifically for me. And then I learned that was just hell. And now I answer him. I talk back to him. Don't do it where people can see you to think you're crazy, but do it when you're by yourself or whatever. And I talk back to him. No, I'm not qualified, actually. But his anointing is still going to flow through me because I am his son. I'm not worthy on my own, but he has made me worthy. I'm not qualified on my own, but I have his qualification. I don't have the power on my own, but he said the works that I do, greater than these shall you do. It's about your identity, young person. When you know who you are, it won't matter who's watching you dance. You couldn't care less. You, you can get to a place where you couldn't care less what anybody thinks about you. I know who I am. I, I hope you like me, and that's all nice, and I like to be liked, but really the bottom line is I, I could care less because I've been with him. 
and he said, do this, and I'm going to do it. What, what kind of identity did Jeremiah have? He never had people clapping for his messages. What kind of identity did Ezekiel have to latch on to? Nobody ever said, hey, man, come preach for us. He was despised. Let me tell you something, young people. If you can ever break through your if, you will absolutely turn your youth group, turn your school, turn your church, turn your district, turn the world around you upside down because you will allow Jesus to flow through you. You will allow the power of God to flow through you. You will allow his anointing to flow through you. But you got to break through that if. Jesus told Peter, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. You've been Simon Barjona, Simon the son of Jonah. Who's Jonah? The guy that runs away when things get scary. That's your past, that's your previous identity. But I want to give you my perspective of you. You're not someone who runs away scared. You're not just Simon. You're Peter, Petros, a rock. And more specifically, a piece of the rock. You're a chip off the old block. Who's the old block? Jesus. Jesus said, Peter, you are a part of me. I'm the rock. You're a little rock that's been chipped out of the big rock. And now because you have a proper perspective of you, let me tell you how I can use you. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I give unto you the guy with the correct perspective of himself. I give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven when you embrace God's perspective of you. Hey, 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 anybody listening right now? When you embrace God's perspective of you, you can be mighty. You can be powerful. You can be fearless. Why? You know what God thinks about you. Why don't you worship the Lord like he's the only one that matters for a moment? Come on, why don't you lift your voice like he's the only one that matters. I, hey, I'm not here to impress anybody but you, Jesus. Do that again. Something just lifted off of us. Do it again. Just do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Come on, anybody else here sick of questioning yourself? Anybody else here sick of second guessing who you are in God? You got to break through that if.
You may be seated if you want. When you look at the prophets of old, Isaiah, the son of Amaz. Amaz means strength. Wow, how nice. Isaiah, the son of strength. Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, the portion of Jehovah. Wow, that's nice. Who's your dad? Well, the portion of Jehovah. Daniel, of noble birth, one of the princes of Israel, possibly even the king's seed. What's your lineage? Well, you know, just the kings of Israel. Ezekiel, the son of Buzi. Buzi was priesthood. Who's your daddy? Well, he's one of the famous pastors in the area. Samuel, the son of Elkanah and Hannah. Elkanah is God provided. Hannah is grace. Wow, what a lineage. Hosey, the son of Buri, the illustrious. Joel, the son of Pethuel, the vision of God. Wow, that's nice. Jonah, the son of Amittai, the true. Isn't that nice? And then you have three men who stood on the Mount of Transfiguration. Moses. Elijah and Jesus. Moses was the son of broken slaves. He stuttered, possibly from psychological scarring that he received as a young man. Elijah had no lineage even worth mentioning. 1 Kings 17, Elijah just comes out of nowhere. It says he came from Gilead. It's a rocky region. In other words, Elijah came from a rough neighborhood. The Tishbite. Jesus came from Nazareth. Nazareth was the armpit of Judea. They even said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Illegitimate birth in the eyes of society. Yet these three men stood alone. On the Mount of Transfiguration. What is transfiguration? They change their images. They used to have one image, but it was replaced by an entirely different image. People that this is for right now, it's not for everybody. People that this is for, I know your heart is burning in you right now. See, each of them did 40-day fasts. Each of them fought crushing, life-altering battles for their identity in God. Each of them stood on a mountain together as men who broke through the perspective that the world had of them and embraced the perspective that God had for them. The greatest question you will ever face, Arizona young people is who are you in God? What will the limits of your ministry be? It'll be based upon what you think about yourself. This revelation is something you must purchase in secret. Your dad can't give it to you. Your mom can't give it to you. Your pastor can't give it to you. 
You've got to go get it for yourself. And when you get it, everything changes. I'm talking to a young minister right now. You're sick of second guessing your future in the Holy Ghost. I'm talking to a young lady who came out of some mess and that's been following you everywhere you go and you're sick of feeling that stuff that you came out of. You're sick of that mentality. You're tired of living captured by the junk that you've tried to come through. God is speaking to somebody, hey, you got to break through that if. It's not going to be easy. It's, I'm not offering you an easy thing. This is something that's going to take your life. This is something that's going to make you bleed. This is something that's going to make you hungry. You're going to be desperate. You're going to be broken. But when that breaks off of you, God will put his image of you on you. And he will say, this is what I want to do with you. So many of our ministers are bound, bound by insecurity. You step into that pulpit, and I'm talking to the Lord have mercy. When you step into that pulpit, you're reading the audience. You're reading their faces. You're reading their response. You're hoping that somebody will come and say how good you did afterwards. And, and, the, and the messages that you're preaching is based upon what people might say. And you're trying to get these cool things to make people happy. And, and all the while, it's because of a spirit of insecurity and inferiority that you have accepted from the devil. There's such a monstrous if in your life. You can't even preach what God puts in your heart to preach for fear of the repercussions of people. But if you ever break through that if, if you ever break through that if... I preached a message here. I preached a message here last year called Keepers of the Glory. It's a message I, as an evangelist, I begin to preach. Y'all may or may not remember that message, but it was about hair and, and the image of the woman and the image of, of the man and so on and so forth. But that message, God gave me that message many years before I ever preached it. He gave me the revelation, but not the permission to preach it. I had the revelation, but not the permission, and, and, and I kept wanting to preach it. It was burning, and it kept growing and growing, and it kept burning. You, you ministers know what I'm talking about. You got that thought, man. It's just there, and it, God keeps speaking to you about it. It's just building. You're like, oh, God, when can I preach this? I want to preach it right now. And finally, when I was in Brazil at a, a conference, God said, now now preach it and I preached it and something released into the atmosphere and I came back to America and I remember I was at a church it was a famous church you would probably know the name you would most certainly know the name of the pastor if I said his name it was a big church it was a huge church and I was preaching and God gave me a message on holiness and that church was struggling with holiness and that pastor was struggling in that area and I said God are you sure about this you really want me to preach it if it's really you telling me to do it, I could care less what happens. I literally thought my ministry was going to be over that moment. I thought when I had my phone on record because I knew I was going to be going before the board for the things that I was saying. And the response was mixed. The young people went crazy. They came up, backsliders prayed through. The old folks in the church, the elders, they loved it. But the middle group hated my guts, man. They were giving me glares, crossing their arms. Tell them somebody doesn't like it, they just look at you and cross their arms.
After the service, one revival shut down. It was a close relation of this pastor. And I'm thinking, oh my God, it begins. My ministry is over. I was an evangelist, folks. If you don't, if you don't get called by pastors, you don't eat. And things begin to get shaky. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, a pastor that I never even knew heard my name called me from across the United States. And another pastor called me from across the United States. And another pastor called me. And these revivals begin to open up, places I never even thought I would ever preach. And God spoke to me. He said, Joey, when you preach what man wants you to preach, man can open doors for you. But man can shut doors for you. He said, but if you preach what I want you to preach, I will open doors for you. And no man, no man can shut the door. Lift your hands. I'm almost done preaching. Just lift your hands and let your voice out right now. Come on. God wants to deliver some of you from your fear of people, the fear of the response of people. If you begin to act the way he's telling you to act, if you begin to worship the way he's telling you to worship, if you begin to preach the way he's telling you to preach, he's trying to loose you from fear. Hey, he's trying to set you free. He's telling you, don't you know I'm for you? And if I'm for you, who can be against you? I'm going to tell you one more thing, and I'm going to let you do your thing. Elijah. Elijah, the man of God that called down fire from heaven. He's powerful. He's mighty. That's pretty incredible. He's against 450 prophets of Baal. They're cutting themselves. Elijah's so confident in himself, he's mocking the prophets of Baal. Hey, maybe Baal's, maybe Baal's in the bathroom. You read it. It's there. Mocked him. When they got done, he put, pour water on it. Pour water on again. Pour water on again. God, show everybody your God. Fire comes out of heaven, consumes the sacrifice. After that, he gets a love note from Jezebel. You killed the prophets of Baal. I'm going to kill you. And everything in his world collapses. He did not know probably until that point how dependent he was upon the good word of people in high places. His world collapses. He flees into the wilderness. He goes into a cave. He's depressed. He's moping around. And he cries. He screams out to God, God, kill me! I don't want to live anymore! I'm no better than my father's. I have not escaped the past that I was raised in. I'm no better than my father's. What are you doing here, Elijah? get out of this cave, and God finally came into him, to make a long story short, he came to him in a still small voice, and he said, listen, you're going to go on a fast, you're going to go out in this wilderness, you're going to have the strength of this word, this bread, 
for 40 days, and Elijah goes out into the wilderness for 40 days. You see, the Elijah before the fast is broken. The Elijah after the fast is no longer running. He's sitting on a hill, and troops, 50 troops from Ahab come to arrest him. And the captain of the 50 said, hey, man of God, sarcastically, come down from the hill. Ahab wants to talk to you. Come down quickly. And Elijah wasn't running no more. He said, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down out of heaven and consume you and your 50. <laughs> Booyah. He just sat up there. Next captain comes. He must not have heard what happened because he comes and he just sees a smear on the ground. He looks up. Hey, man of God, king wants you. Come on down quickly. 50 soldiers behind him. Elijah didn't even budge. If I'm a man of God, let fire come out of heaven and consume you and your 50. <laughs> Smear. The third captain of the third 50 got the memo. You better treat him with respect. And he comes up, and he's not cocky. He comes up to the bottom of the hill. Oh, sir. Oh, mighty man of God. I've been listening to you on YouTube. You are awesome. I respect you. Listen, if it fits into your schedule, if you could put it in your day planner to come on down with me, this, this earthly king, you might not have anything to do with these things, but an earthly king would love to have a chat with you. If it's convenient for you today, would you come with me? I'll be your escort. And Elijah said, oh, okay, I'll come with you. What happened? Elijah's view of himself had changed, and he refused to take junk from people. It's amazing how much trash you'll take from people when you've got an improper view of yourself. Oh, man, who, am I even here tonight? Is this even happening? What's happening? Are y'all here tonight? It is incredible to me the crazy, dumb decisions people make about their own life when they have an improper view of their own value. That's why you're still letting that dude take advantage of you. Oh, did we just go there? Yes, we did. That's why he can do whatever he wants. You have an improper view of your value. That's why you keep looking at pornography, dude. You don't understand your value. But if you can ever break through that if and get a vision of what God sees in you, You'll treat yourself a whole lot different, and you will not accept how others treat you unless it lines up with your view of you. I'm not saying you're mean or hateful or anything. You just won't accept it. No. Sorry, but no. Got to break through that if. Who am I talking to tonight? You got to break through that. There's a ministry waiting to be released. There's an apostolic end time miracle signs and wonders ministry waiting to be released to someone who can get a vision of who you are in God. There's a prophetess. There's a prophetess. 
waiting to be released. There's an apostle, there's a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, a missionary, a Bible study, soul winner. There's somebody here that God is just waiting on you to break through that. Hey, when you're going to do the work to break through that, if you just got to press through it. You got to break through it. If it doesn't line up with my word, break it. It's not me. It's not me. It's not my voice and it's not your voice. It's the devil trying to get you to an accept a view of you that will lessen your potential, that will lower your capacity, that will cause you to operate in a level of insecurity rather than authority. You got to break through that if. You got to throw off that inferiority complex. Forget about where you came from. You've got God on your side. Forget about your past. You've got God on your side. Forget about who your parents were or were not. You've got God. Oh, I'm all done. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. I'm all done. Shea baemo toye ah. That's it. Let your voice out. Let your voice out. Let your voice out. Abahatala harahata ahe Allah. Hey. Come on, somebody pray like it doesn't matter who's listening. Come on, somebody pray like it doesn't matter who's listening. Come on, somebody worship. Somebody go after it like it doesn't matter who's watching. Come on, it's time to break through that if. Get out of your pew. Get out of your pew. It's time to break through that if. If you want it, if you don't want it, stay where you are. If you want it, get out of that pew and come get it. Come on, let the tears flow. Let your voice out. Don't worry about what you look like or sound like. Don't worry about if you're crying. Don't worry about if you're Losing your composure, you gotta break through that if. You gotta break through it. Ah, throw off that inferiority. Throw off that insecurity. I'm a child of God. That's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. 